Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shri Vasadi Thank you. 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Sapari Prajakacharya Stotra Satisri Srimad Bhakti Vidanta Swami Prabhupada Yaskan Founder Acharya Srila Prabhupada Kijai Jayam Vishnupad Paramhansapari Prajakacharya Stotra Satisri Srimad Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Goswami Prabhupada Kijai Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Kijai Nama Acharya Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai. Prem Sekaho Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda. Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivas Adi Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai. Sri Sri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath. Shamakunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai. Rindavantham Ki Jai. Navadvip Dham Ki Jai, Jamuna Mai Ki Jai, Ganga Mai Ki Jai, Tulsi Devi Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Ki Jai, Samveta Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Nitai Gaur Premanande Uriyarivo. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. We welcome you to the auspicious celebration of Srimati Radharani's Divine Appearance Day, Sri Radhastami. Read from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 3, Pure Devotional Service, Text 23. Is it written? Oh, so they should bring the board here. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo 
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Jivan Shava Bhagavat Angri Renum Na Jatu Martya Abilabeta Ya Tu Shri Vishnu Padya Manuja Tulasya Svasan Shava Yas Tu Naveda Gandam Jivan Jivan Chavo Bhagavatangri Renum Najatumartyo Bilabeta Yastu Shri Vishnu Padya Manujastu Lasya Svasanchavoyasthunavedagandam Shri Vishnu Padya Manujas Tulasya Jivan Chavo Bhagavatangri Renum Najatumartyo Vilabeta Yastu Vishnu Padya Manujastu Lasya Svasanchavoyastunavedagandam Shri Vishnu Padya Manujastulasya Vaishnavis Najatu Martyo Vilabeta Yastu Shivishnu Padya Manujastu Lasya Sasanchavoyastu Naveda Gandam
Jivan while living, Shava, a dead body, Bhagavatangri Renum, the dust of the feet of a pure devotee, Na, never, Jatu, at any time, Martya, mortal, Abhilabheta, particularly received, Ya, a person, to, but, Shri, with opulence, Vishnu Padya of the lotus feet of Vishnu Manuja a descendant of Manu a man Tulasya leaves of the Tulsi tree Shvasan while breathing Shava, still a dead body. Ya, who, to, but, Naveda, never experienced, Gandam, the aroma. Translation. The person who has not at any time received the dust of the feet of the Lord's pure devotee upon his head is certainly a dead body. And the person who has never experienced the aroma of the Tulsi leaves from the lotus feet of the Lord is also a dead body although breathing. Please repeat. The person who has not at any time received the dust of the feet of the Lord's pure devotee upon his head is certainly a dead body. And the person who has never experienced the aroma of the Tulsi leaves from the lotus feet of the Lord is also a dead body, although breathing. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. According to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, the breathing dead body is a ghost. When a man dies, he is called dead. But when he again appears in a subtle form, not visible to our present vision, and yet acts, such a dead body is called a ghost. Ghosts are always very bad elements, always creating a fearful situation for others. There's more to the purport, but we'll stop here to begin. So, according to Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, the living entity is the spiritual energy of the Lord. Uh, 
Paraprakriti, but he also has an inferior or material energy called Aparaprakriti. And Aparaprakriti has uh, six, excuse me, eight elements, Umir, Apu, Nalavayo, Kamano, Budir, Evacha. Uh, earth, water, fire, air, ether, those are the gross material elements, and mind, intelligence, and false ego. Those are the subtle material elements. And then the paraprakriti, the superior energy or spiritual energy, are the living entities. So every one of us, every living entity, has a gross body and a subtle body. And when the living entity leaves the gross body at the time of death, the subtle body uh, goes with him or her uh, to the next body. Now, what is a ghost? A ghost is someone who has left the gross body behind and uh, it remains with the subtle body but does not enter another gross body. How does someone become a ghost? The most common way is by committing suicide. Someone who commits suicide, in effect, is saying, I don't want a gross body. All right? So you don't get a gross body. just have a subtle body. But generally, people commit suicide because they have material desires that are unfulfilled and because they feel so frustrated and disappointed, they commit suicide. So they have gross material desires, but they don't have a gross physical body through which to fulfill them. And so they try to possess, you know, gain possession of someone else's body, uh, through which they can try to fulfill their gross material desires. And so they are bad elements, and they create a fearful situation. Another scenario for becoming a ghost is that one becomes very attached to one's uh, home, this we hear in relation to castles, uh, haunted, haunted castles. So, the 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 occupant or the proprietor is very attached to the castle, and at the time of death, he leaves his body thinking of the castle. So he can't take birth as a castle because that's not. One of the one of the life forms, but he can take birth as a ghost in that castle to which he was so attached. But ghosts can be they can be liberated from their ghostly condition, and they can also be um, dispersed by the chanting of the holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So Srila Prabhupada said, because often these uh, palatial properties that are haunted uh, are on the market for a lower price because they're haunted. So Srila Prabhupada said, we can get these properties, 
and chant Hare Krishna, the ghosts will go away, and then we'll have a nice property for Krishna to make into a temple for Krishna. So, now, another thing about ghosts is they can influence the thinking of ordinary people. Uh, one of Srila Prabhupada's disciples told him that sometimes he has these uh, terrible thoughts pass through his mind that he would never have in his normal consciousness. And, you know, could this be the, experience, the uh, influence of a ghost? And Prabhupada said, yeah, it, it, it could be. So ghosts can influence us to think in ways that are contrary to our normal consciousness. Now, as living entities, we are all, by nature, by constitution, eternal servants of Krishna. Jivar Swarupai Krishna Nityadas. So if we think in any way other than the mood of devotional service to Krishna, it's like being haunted by a ghost because we're being influenced to think in a way that is contrary to our original natural consciousness. Um, So, ghosts are always very bad elements, always creating a fearful situation for others. Similarly, the ghost-like non-devotees who have no respect for the pure devotees, nor for the Vishnu deities in the temple, create a fearful situation for the devotees at all times. The Lord never accepts any offerings from such impure ghosts. The Lord doesn't need anything. He's perfect and complete in himself, the only thing he appreciates or relishes is the love and devotion. So, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, patram pushpam falam toyam yome bhaktya prayachati, that if one offers him with love and devotion a leaf, a fruit, a flower, or some water, he will accept it. So the real essential ingredient is devotion. And the Lord will accept offerings from devotees with love and devotion. He will not accept offerings from impure ghosts who have, in other words, uh, materialistic people who have no devotion. Now, there is a common saying that one should first love the dog of the beloved before one shows any loving sentiments for the beloved. Sometimes it's said, love me, love my dog. So what, is, what does that mean for us? The stage of pure devotion is attained by sincerely serving a pure devotee of the Lord. In other words, the devotee is like the Lord's dog. In fact, in the beginning when devotees, you know, new devotees asked Srila Prabhupada about these neck beads that we wear, what is the significance of the neck beads? Srila Prabhupada said, it's like a dog's collar. It means that we are Krishna's dogs. (laughs) So, there's a common saying that one should first love the dog of the beloved 
before one shows any loving sentiments for the beloved. The stage of pure devotion is attained by sincerely serving a pure devotee of the Lord. The first condition of devotional service to the Lord is therefore to be a servant of a pure devotee. And this condition is fulfilled by the statement reception of the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee who has also served another pure devotee. That is the way of pure disciplic succession or devotional parampara. So we serve the dust of the lotus feet of our spiritual master or spiritual masters who have served the dust of the lotus feet of their spiritual masters who have served the dust of the lotus feet of their spiritual masters, and that is uh, parampara. And we discussed the same thing earlier in relation to mahatmas. One becomes a mahatma by association with other mahatmas, who in turn have associated with other mahatmas. Maharaj Rahugana inquired from the great saint Judd Bharat, as to how he had attained such a liberated stage of a paramahamsa, means the, the, the highest stage of spiritual perfection. And in answer, the great saint replied as follows, Shimad Bhagavatam 5, 12, 12. Rahuganai tat Tapasanayati na chejjaya nirvapanad grihadva na chandasanayva jalagni suryair vina mahatpadarajobishekam. O King Rahugana, the perfectional stage of devotional service or the Paramahansa stage of life cannot be attained unless one is blessed by the dust of the feet of great devotees. And dust of the feet of great devotees is in italics for emphasis. It is never attained by tapasya, austerity, the Vedic worshipping process, acceptance of the renounced order of life, the discharge of the duties of household life, the chanting of the Vedic hymns, or the performance of penances in the hot sun, within cold water, or before the blazing fire. So there are many such performances recommended for uh, spiritual progress. But the stage of perfection in spiritual life can be attained only if one is blessed by the dust of the feet of pure devotees. Now what exactly does it mean to be blessed by the dust of the feet of pure devotees? Uh, generally, it means, uh, of course, in a broad sense, it means to be blessed by the mercy of pure devotees, and one gets their mercy by following their instructions. So we're blessed by receiving instructions from pure devotees, and we're further blessed uh, when we follow their instructions. Once in Bombay, a disciple asked Srila Prabhupada for his mercy to follow his Prabhupada's instructions. And Srila Prabhupada sort of curled his lips in disgust and he said, my mercy is that I have given you my instructions. Now it's up to you to follow them. 
And he gave the example that someone is is stuck in a well, has fallen into a well, and then his savior or deliverer uh, hands down a rope. And then the person in the well is praying, please make my fingers curl around the rope. Well, please. Your deliverer has sent down the rope and he's ready to pull you out of the well, but you have to hold on to the rope. In other words, he's given you his mercy in the shape of his instructions and now you have to follow his instructions. And even then he does give mercy to help you to follow, but ultimately you have to make the effort to follow the instructions. In other words, Lord Sri Krishna is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees, and as such, only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Srila Prabhupada once demonstrated this principle very vividly uh, in in uh, relation to a uh, young girl, probably about three years old, named Saraswati. She was the daughter of Srila Prabhupada's uh, secretary, Shamasundar Das, and uh, Shamsundar's Prabhu's wife, uh, Malati Devi. So Srila Prabhupada had come to Madras. I had arranged uh, his program in Madras. And he, uh, at the time I was cultivating the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of uh, Madras, who was very favorable. And he arranged a public program for Srila Prabhupada in a grounds near near his residence, uh, to which he invited, you know, all high court judges and um, advocates. And in his talk, Srila Prabhupada uh, appealed them, appealed to them to join the Krishna consciousness movement. He gave the example of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. They kicked off all association of aristocracy as insignificant and joined the movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And uh, so then, after the program, the Chief Justice invited Srila Prabhupada and the devotees to his home for prasad. And uh, and the Chief Justice uh, gave Srila Prabhupada a, a small silver figurine of Krishna. And in discussing the six Goswamis, Srila Prabhupada also spoke about their mood of separation. Hey Radhe Vrajadevi Kechalalite Hinandusno Kutaha. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? So, at the Chief Justice's home, he was sitting on a chair, and he held this little silver Krishna in front of Saraswati. And as I mentioned, she was two or three years old, maybe two. And, you know, she was looking at that Krishna, and she was very attracted. And then then Srila Prabhupada moved that uh, little deity of Krishna behind his back. And she was so young, you know, her her attention would get diverted here and there. And then 
he called her attention again and he said, Saraswati, where is Krishna? And she didn't know. She was like looking everywhere, looking, looking at all the devotees, uh, looking behind their backs and she couldn't find Krishna and she was in anxiety, like that anxiety of the six Goswamis, where is Krishna? But again, she got a little distracted and again Prabhupada said, Saraswati, where is Krishna? And again, she became so anxious, where is Krishna? And looking and couldn't find him. And then finally, Malati's mother gave her a good hint. And she said, Saraswati, who has Krishna? And then Saraswati's eyes lit up with recognition. And she said, Prabhupada has Krishna. And then she went running up to Prabhupada and then he brought the Krishna out from behind his back. So this is on the subject. In other words, Lord Sri Krishna is the property of his pure unconditional devotees and as such only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Krishna is never obtainable directly. Lord Chaitanya therefore designated himself as Gopi Bhartu Padakamalayor Dasa Das Anu Dasa, or the most obedient servant of the servants of the Lord, who maintains the Gopi damsels at Vrindavan. This is our actual identity. In his full, the full quotation, Lord Chaitanya says, I'm not a Brahmin, I'm not a Kshatriya, I'm not a Vaishya, I'm not a Shudra, I'm not a Brahmachari, I'm not a Grihasta, I'm not a Vanaprastha, I'm not a Sannyasi. But I'm the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, the maintainer of the gopis. A pure devotee therefore never approaches the Lord directly, but tries to please the servant of the Lord's servants. And thus the Lord becomes pleased, and only then can the devotee relish the taste of the tulsi leaves stuck to his lotus feet. Have you ever seen the tulsi leaves stuck to the lotus feet of Kalachanji? In the Brahma Samhita, it is said that the Lord is never to be found by becoming a great scholar of the Vedic literatures, but he is very easily approachable through his pure devotee. Vedeshu Durlabham. Durlabham means very difficult to approach through the Vedas. Adurlabham, uh, but not difficult, Atma Bhakta, through the devotee. In Vrindavan, all the pure devotees pray for the mercy of Srimati Radharani, the pleasure potency of Lord Krishna. Srimati Radharani is a tender-hearted, feminine counterpart of the Supreme Whole. So the supreme whole consists of Radha and Krishna. Uh, sometimes people ask if we, if our concept of God is that he's male, but our concept actually is that he's both male and female, Radha and Krishna. But Srimati Radharani is the tender-hearted feminine counterpart of the supreme whole, resembling the perfectional stage of the worldly feminine nature. Therefore, 
the mercy of Radharani is available very readily to the sincere devotees. And once she recommends such a devotee to Lord Krishna, the Lord at once accepts the devotee's admittance into his association. So, as Srila Prabhupada says, Srimati Radharani's mercy is very readily available to the sincere devotee. And therefore, we, in general, we don't approach Krishna directly, but we approach him through his devotees. And through Parampara, we approach him through uh, Srimati Radharani, who uh, represents his compassionate nature. In the Nectar of Devotion, Rupa Goswami uh, describes Krishna's qualities, and one of them is compassionate. But Srila Prabhupada explains that because Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, it's hard to approach him directly. And therefore, devotees approach him through his compassionate nature, which is represented by Srimati Radharani. So she is our best hope through Parampara. The conclusion is, therefore, that one should be more serious about seeking the mercy of the devotee than that of the Lord directly. And by one's doing so, by the good will of the devotee, the natural attraction for the service of the Lord will be revived. Hare Krishna. So, of course, we could say much about Srimati Radharani, but it is a fact that if she recommends someone to Krishna, Krishna will accept that person. Uh, in Varshana, which is Srimati Radharani's place, uh, they have a saying that whatever Radha does, Krishna likes. And whatever Radha likes, Krishna does. <laughs> so if Srimati Radharani likes you, if she if she if she likes that Krishna should accept you, then he will accept you. Hare Krishna. So are there any questions or comments? Yes. That's a very good question. How can we get Shimati Radharani's mercy? How can we please her? Well, um, yeah, as, as Lord Chaitanya said, dasa dasa anudasa, by being the servant of the servant of the servant. And so, certainly, Srila Prabhupada is very dear to Shimati Radharani, so if we serve him and please him, and he's also served and pleased when we serve his servants, uh, she will be pleased. And, uh, she, yeah, she'll give us her mercy. And, um, of course, Krishna is pleased. Srila Prabhupada is pleased. Uh, both when we practice Krishna consciousness and when we preach Krishna consciousness. That's our basic mission, to, to, to taste Krishna consciousness and to distribute Krishna consciousness. When we do those things, Prabhupada and the Parampara and Shimati Radharani are pleased.
And of course, book distribution, but not just book distribution. There are so many methods, but but definitely Srila Prabhupada emphasized book distribution. Well, that's the, uh, a long history uh, because two lives earlier, he was uh, Bharat Maharaj, after whom this planet is named, Bharat Varsha. And in that life, he uh, had a spiritual master. Might have been Narada Muni. Uh, but somehow that Bharat Maharaj, although he was very advanced, uh, he became attached. It's a, it's a long story, but he gave up his kingdom. He went to the forest. But in his forest, uh, a, a, a mother deer was giving birth to a baby, and that mother died. And so Judd Bharat, not Judd Bharat, Bharat Maharaj, out of uh, sympathy for that baby deer, uh, took the baby deer in his ashram and cared for the deer very affectionately to the point that he became diverted from his spiritual practices. And then at the time of death, he thought of that deer. And, you know, yam yam vapi svaram bhavam. So accordingly, in his next life, he took birth as a deer. But because of his previous spiritual advancement, even in the body of a deer, he was able to recollect his previous life, the mistake from his previous life. And uh, so he, he, yeah, he took birth as a deer in that same place. And then after uh, giving up the body of the deer, he took birth as Judd Bharat, who was uh, very advanced spiritually. But because of that memory of becoming distracted and diverted. So he pre- he played as if he was deaf and dumb. So he wouldn't interact with the material world and become entangled and forgetful. So, uh, but he, he had a strong body and eventually the king, Rahugana, uh, he was, uh, he picked him up to be a carrier for his palanquin. But he was such an advanced devotee that as he was carrying the palanquin, he he didn't want to step on any ants. So he was going this way and that way, which was jostling the king in the palanquin. So the king was very upset and he said, you know, what what's the matter with you? And there was a whole discussion. And in the course of that discussion, uh, Judd Bharat uh, re- recited this verse. So he did have that uh, spiritual guidance, for sure. He never could have come to that stage without it. Yeah. Thank you. Good question. Any other questions or comments? All right, so we have a few minutes before the... Uh, Abhishek. What? By the way, this in in um, Jad Bharat's statement, Vina Mahat Padarajo Bishekam. He says that you cannot achieve spiritual perfection without bathing yourself, having an Abhishek of the dust of the feet of of a pure devotee. Right, so I'll go I'll go to the altar. Um I don't think it's Abhishek because we had Abhishek. I guess it's flower petals. Pushpa Abhishek. Oh we're just having so many Abhisheks here, one after the other. All right, so thank you very much. Hare Krishna.
Now glories to Srila Prabhupada. Srimati Radharani Ki Jai. Sri Radha Stimi Mahamahotsav Ki Jai.